I'm Mike Asnald and welcome to the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge's AC23 Plus Artist Legacy Series podcast. This is a series where we talk to artists who are doing amazing things in the areas of the arts, including performance, education, production, as well as arts advocacy. We record this series in the Virginia and John Nolan Black Box Studio, as well as in the Jan and Bill Grimes Recording Studio here at the Cary Siraj Community Arts Center. Be sure to visit artsbr.org for more information on all the great things we are doing here at the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. Hope you enjoyed the podcast series and thanks for tuning in. Good. Mm -hmm. good to see you again. 
It's good to see you. It's been a minute, but you're always on my mind. Likewise, when always, I hear uh, always on my mind. When I hear great vocals in my head, <laughs> oh. I hear Stephanie Jordan. <laughs> well, that's nice. In the same company as your heroes, probably. Oh wow! Which are, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe Lena Horne. Oh, absolutely. We can talk about these names in a minute, like Shirley Horne, maybe. Absolutely. Maybe some Carmen McRae. Absolutely, if I could only sing like Carmen McRae. <laughs> and I left out another important one, Nancy Wilson. And Miss Nancy Fancy Wilson. <laughs> yes. Well, for those listening or kind of tuning in for the first time or getting familiar with Miss Stephanie Jordan for the first time, Stephanie is from New Orleans. Yes. And you have the real privilege, I think, from, from someone who doesn't have that, who hasn't had that um, opportunity, I guess. You grew up in a very musical family. I did. And this is a fascinating thing to and me. And I'm still growing up. <laughs> <laughs> it's never ending, right? It's never ending. Um, and it's, the thing about New Orleans, uh, uh, it's just, I think it's just so cool, is... Yes, you grew up in a musical family, but there's this whole lineage of families in New Orleans, of musical families. They and, do exist and all jo over. Jordan is, is definitely it's one, one of, of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what was that like? I mean, growing up in... So you got a, you got a brother who's a trumpet flautist, player. trumpet, flute. flute. you got a sister who plays violin, violin, all at a very high level, by the way. Um, now, and we all played music at one time, mm -hmm. you know. Well, it was I mean, just what was that like growing up in that family? Um, well, there's seven of us, mm -hmm. and um, and let's not forget that my mom is a great piano player. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And then, so there's music on both sides of the family. Mm -hmm. So it was a beautiful experience. You know, television and the internet and all of the social media stuff that people are involved with now. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what my life was like, but it wasn't social media. Right. You know what I mean? Does like that make that sense? that constant stimulation? Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. You know, it was like there was so much going on. Right. You know, and there were so many musicians that we knew through my dad mm -hmm. and through my mom as well because, I mean, her, her brother Maynard Chatters is a great trombonist yeah. and right. you know and then my mom is one of 16 and they all played music right right um so it I can only like compare it to that you know it was like that was our so social media <laughs> right you know of the time right. you know just right. you know knowing lots of musicians hearing a lot of music all the time it's a lot of stimulus, but it was great stimulus. I didn't realize it at the time, how great it was. Yeah, I mean, I only got to know your family maybe mm, 25 years ago. That's when I kind of got right. to know some of you guys. But I immediately noticed how intense everybody is about <laughs> music. And I, I mean, was it like that? When I mean, was Kent like that intense as a kid? Like yeah, practicing Kent was very and intense. And just the practice, is. you know, mentality. Oh, absolutely. And I know your dad was like that, for sure. You know, music is a serious thing in my family. Yeah. So, which is part of the reason why I never really <laughs> thought I was any good. <laughs> Seriously. Because, 
you know, you know, like Marlon was playing, you know, full trumpet concertos and he was 10, you know. Right. And Rachel was playing, Paul played really well, although yeah. he became an engineer. Right. But he played really well as a kid, like memorized. And I couldn't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. You now, know, Kent you... was always playing. Mm -hmm. And you know, Kent would play saxophone. He won't do it in front of other people. Yeah. But when we were kids growing up, he played a lot of tenor saxophone too. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he hides it. Mm -hmm. But he played, he used to memorize Ernie Watts solos, okay? Oh. I remember that. Let's start simple. <laughs> right. That's crazy. You know, I, I can recall that, you know, as a kid, just all the music that was going on and people talking about music. But it, was, it wasn't just jazz, though. So there was I remember a lot you, of music going on. I remember, I think it was you that mm -hmm. was telling me, or maybe it was Rachel, but um, as kids, y'all would go to the, see the, or, the symphony a lot, right? Oh, yes. We had symphony night. Yeah. We'd get all dressed up mm -hmm. and go hear the symphony. That was a thrill for us. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed it. And, of course, we were all playing violin. So yeah. we were kids, and we had violin lessons. Somehow, I didn't manage. I still want to see you play violin. I'm waiting I can for still it. play a little bit. I don't, I don't doubt that you can. Hmm. Yeah, I really can. I know my bow, I can hold the bow really well. Yeah. Mm, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so you went through your teen years, went through high school in, in New Orleans, but then, then you left New Orleans, right? I left New Orleans and went to college in Washington, D.C. at Howard University. And what, what was the, the goal with that? The goal was to be a news person. Mm -hmm. I majored in communications, and I worked in television and radio, and I really thought that that would be my life. Mm -hmm. How this singing stuff started <laughs> out. The genes are strong in your family. I just don't know how I landed here. It's something, you know, changed my course. Was it? I started working in a jazz station. Oh, okay. A jazz radio station. That was my first, one, one of my first jobs after graduation. Really? Were you like a DJ? Or? No, I was actually a promotions director. Huh. So I would promote all of the big jazz acts at the time. Mm -hmm. And half of them were from New Orleans. So I knew right. them all, right. Winton and Branford and Terrence and mm -hmm. Donald. And then my brothers were signed to CBS Records as well. Now, Marlon was signed. Is this right? Well, he was signed like when he was 16 or something? something yeah, crazy. he was really young. Wow. He, he was, was still really going, young. He was still going to NOCA, right? And he was signed to a yeah, major Yeah, he was graduating from high school and signing a record deal. Wow. But, you know, jazz records at that time, well, jazz records and then CDs. Yeah. I mean, they and that was big, that was a big deal at that time. Yeah. You know, late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. It's a real big deal. George Butler was the mm -hmm. person at CBS Records who was pulling all of these acts out of New Orleans and right. signing them. Harry Connick Jr. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I promoted all of those very first records. Okay. And I did a very good job at it. Yeah. Mhm. Mm and then somehow, 
Well, so how did, how did you end up with singing? I mean, it was the, were those really, even though you grew up in New Orleans around a musical family, is it fair to say your first gigs were in D.C.? Yes. My first piano player was Doug Karn. And I've met Doug. Over yeah. yeah. Doug is originally from Florida, but, you know, he was really big in the R&B sort of jazz R&B scene in the 70s yeah. with a great singer who he married, Gene Karn. Yeah. And um, there was this great club in right on the, the line of D.C. and Maryland called Tacoma Station Tavern. And they would just have great local performers there, international performers, jazz, R&B, and it was just a great hangout spot. Mm -hmm. And it was during the time when, you know, live music and clubs and jazz and live R&B was still, you know, pretty hot, yeah. you know? And so I met Doug, uh, hanging out with Kent. <laughs> And uh, my sister was hanging out with me, and it just happened to be my birthday. And so she dared me to get up on the stage and sing a song, and I did. So my, my career actually started on a dare, <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> From your sister. Yes, Rachel. She, says, she said, I'm tired of you singing in my ear and asking me, can I sing? go up there and take a chance and do it. And so, you know, Kent sort of set it up and, you know, they asked me, you know, well, come up and, yeah, well, let's do it. What did you sing, you remember? Yes, I remember April. Oh, that's not an easy song. No, I didn't even know that that was a hard song at the time. Right. <laughs> I just used to sing it because I liked it so much. Right. And uh, I went up on the stage, I almost fainted. I can remember, I thought I was gonna faint. And, uh, and the people started clapping and... Then you were hooked. And then I was hooked. Right. That was crazy, but that's literally how I got started. I don't know, in our conversations over <laughs> the years, like being in that area, of course you were, you were in Shirley Horn's oh hometown. Oh my goodness, right? yes. So the way I met Shirley was the drummer who was playing the night that I performed. You see, was he there? He was either there or he was playing. He may not have been playing with me that night, but he was good friends with Doug, Steve Williams, who's one of the greatest yeah. drummers yeah. in the world. Yeah. You and I have worked with him. Yes. Yeah. And so between Steve and Doug, they, you know, you know, Doug is a character. I can remember when he, he said, okay. So the, the club owner said, well, we're going to give her a gig. Y'all need her. <laughs> <laughs> they, pay, they pay attention when she sings. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> the, the club owner was Bobby Boyd. Just a great, you know, if Richard Pryor has had a brother that he didn't know about, it was Bobby Boyd. <laughs> I mean, he, this guy was so hilarious. He was just naturally funny and just great person. And so he said, look, I want her on the gig, okay? <laughs> and uh, so 
Doug calls me the next day and he says, hey, pretty baby. <laughs> what you doing? I said, I'm just at my place, you know, hanging. I want to come over. I need you to write down every song that you know. <laughs> so, of course, I wrote down a whole list of Nat King Cole tunes. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came over to my apartment with a keyboard and says, okay, you sing that in A flat, you sing that in G, you sing that in C, you sing that in B flat. And he's giving me all my keys. He wrote this list. Right. He wrote all the keys next to the list. Similar to what you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sounds familiar. And, uh, and so then the next weekend, I had a whole show. But we started as a duo, happy hour. So I started off doing similar to what you and well, what we just did. Yeah. So my first gig was like a duo happy hour with me and Doug. Mm -hmm. Like 5.30 to 7.30. And I'll never forget the funniest thing the night that I first sang. It was my birthday again, but Doug came over. You know, Doug is just, he's a reality TV show that never happened. But he had this cigar and he bought a bottle of champagne, you know, the best, Dom Perignon, over to me. And, and he gave me a $100, a $100 bill, and he said, don't ever sing for free. <laughs> lesson number one. Yes, lesson, lesson number one. Don't ever sing for free. <laughs> so I got paid on my first gig. Yeah, you're right. It was so beautiful. The things they won't tell you in music school, but you learn right away. Oh, there is. There, I could teach people about having a career. Mm -hmm. Things they'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> they'll never learn in a book. The other side of the story. The real side of being in, in music. Yeah. Yeah. But I really, um, I have fun. Because I think I started out having fun. So when I don't have fun at a gig, I'm irritated. You know, I like to enjoy myself when I'm on stage. Right. Some people tell me, you know, Stephanie, you know, we enjoy you. I could. That's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's got to be fun. Well, and it has to translate. Yeah. To the, I mean, the audience has to feel it. Yeah. You have to feel something. Right. You know, I, I don't, I, I think when I first started, I worried about developing a sound. Of course, I wanted to sound like Shirley Orr. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, when I met Shirley Horn, I just thought, you know, is this really my life? Mm -hmm. Am I sitting here actually holding a conversation with Shirley Horn? <laughs> You know, I mean, that's a voice that is just beyond my imagination. When she recorded um, and released Here's to Life, I listened to that CD exclusively for like four or five months. I, it might have been six months. That's the only thing I would listen to. I just could not believe how complete that record was. Well, she had the best arranger. The ever. best arranger. Johnny Mandel. 
ever next to my guest. No, 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 no. <laughs> I knew you would say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm I know you learned a lot from listening to him, too, I, I, didn't you? I used to I transcribe his arrangements. I know you did. Yeah. That's why you're so good. Well, it, uh, very inspirational listening to someone like that. I mean, those arrangements, her voice, and, and the, way he, the way he wrapped the arrangements around her. Because you know the way they did that. She laid all the tracks down, and then he came back with the orchestra. Came back and just created it mm -hmm. all around her. Right. Which is unreal. So he, yeah, he had to sit down and write all that stuff she did. Um, right. And build the arrangement around that. And build it all around her. And mm -hmm. so that's why, to me, it's so seamless. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he was a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's play a tune. Okay. One tune we talked about was Alfie. How about that? Mm. Could I have some water first? Yes, you can. <laughs> it's on the floor right here. I just don't want to get off on my perch. <laughs> the things that go on in podcasts. There you go. That's the jazz. Okay. So this tune... Oh my goodness. Another great singer, Miss Dionne Warwick. Oh my God. I love Dionne. What's it all about? Is it just for this moment we live? What's it all about when you sorted out Alfie? Are we meant to take more than we give? Or are To be kind And if Only fools are kind Alfie Then I guess It would be wise To be cruel But if life belongs to the strong Elfie What can you lend on an old golden rule As sure as I believe There's a heaven above Sure, 
I know something even non-believers can believe in. Well, I believe in love. Without true love, you just exist, Alfie, until you find the love you've missed, you're nothing, Alfie, but when you walk, let your heart just lead the way. What's it all about? What's it all about? What's it all about? Alfie. To always do that. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, Shirley. Well, okay. So and you're Dion. Because mm. you know, I can't say that. Growing up, I exclusively listened to jazz, or mm -hmm. even really sang jazz songs. Because I can remember one time my mom overheard me singing. Um, this Billy Holiday song. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm getting it confused in my head right now. All of me. Oh. Why not take all of me? Right, right, right. What are you singing? What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you sing that song, little girl? So you were little. I didn't know what it meant. Mm -hmm. I had no clue what that song meant. Right. I guess I'd heard it some kind of way, and I was singing it, and she shut me down with that right quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I kind of think that's why it took me another 20 years to start singing. <laughs> you're, you're in jazz shock or something. I was in jazz shock. Oh, no, she wasn't standing for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, she, of course, she's going to deny that, but <laughs> mama, that really did happen. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, so you, you started gigging in D.C., and then, uh -huh. then what happens after that? So I started gigging in D.C., and then people heard me and I got featured in the Washingtonian magazine mm -hmm. and then uh, other musicians began to hire me and then I got booked to do a few festivals mm -hmm. and my first you know big booking was um, here in New Orleans well we're in Baton Rouge right now but in New Orleans 
Charlie Baring gave me my first gig at Jazz Fest. Mm. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I had my professional headshots done. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was just doing gigs. Yeah. One gig after the next. And I got booked in Aspen, Colorado. Yeah, I think I did that gig with you. <laughs> you know, you did a later one, but there was another oh, one in okay. Aspen before okay. you went to Aspen with me. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then I, I got my first overseas gig. I went to Istanbul, Turkey. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. All yeah. by myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little and scary. And I was booked in a, at a, um, a club when I walked in there was this huge mural of Sidney Bechet. And uh, I stayed at Cherum Palace. It was a beautiful hotel. Mm -hmm. This wonderful club inside the palace. And I, and I played every night with a trio from Istanbul. The bass player was killer. Mm -hmm. He actually was a symphonic player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who was getting his jazz chops up, but he right. was, right. I mean, he was just, he, you know, of course he did everything perfectly mm -hmm. and he listened to all the great jazz basses and he was just copying everything that he, that he heard, but he was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I don't know. I just would promote myself and send my headshots out and call people. Mm-hmm. And then Steve introduced me to Shirley Horn, and uh, she gave me a lot of great advice. One of the things she told me is, get all your money up front, because you'll never get it on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's great. <laughs> she gave me some other advice, which I won't tell. Mm -hmm. But... Mm -hmm. She gave me a lot of good advice, and um, and I followed it. Yeah, I yeah. followed a lot of what she she said to me, and um, I was a Shirley Horn stalker. Everywhere she went, I would I went to so many Shirley Horn concerts, but I also went to a lot of Anita Baker concerts. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a, I was an Anita Baker stalker for years too. Mm -hmm. Anita Baker, Shirley Horn, anyone who had a sound that I just loved, you know, I just, I would go just miles and miles to hear them, you know. Yeah. Another great duo that I love is Ashford and Simpson. Mm -hmm. Like Valerie Simpson is just one of my favorite singers, right. writers. You know, she's a great... Mm -hmm. Piano player. Yeah. And uh, I met her many years later. Um, actually, her husband had passed away, and I met her in New York at her club called the Sugar Bar. Hmm. It was a great night. Wow. And, um, you know, so I have this thing where I, I love great R&B singers like Phyllis Hyman. You know, Nancy Wilson, of course. You know, Nancy is so important to me because, you know, she just did it all. 
I can't think of a more versatile oh my singer, God. especially one that comes out of the jazz yes. tradition. I mean, Nancy Wilson is like a complete jazz singer and then a complete, you know, it, I mean, she's just a singer because she could sing, take anybody's song. Well, she and Gladys Knight, let's not forget Gladys. <laughs> right, right. You know, Gladys Knight can take your song away from you. <laughs> 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 Memories, you know. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. she's just amazing. I watched her one night sing um, this boys to men song, "The End of the Road." I said, "Okay." So she takes a whole group and takes their song and makes it hers. Mm. You know, I mean, she's just phenomenal. So you know, I love just great singers. You know, I don't necessarily know that I'm a great singer yet, but I try to be. And I only listen to singers who are, I mean, really, really listen. I only really, really listen to, to singers who I really think are really phenomenal singers. Well, I know you. Because you can learn so much. Shaka Khan. Hmm. You know. I, I mean, I grew up listening to Shaka Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know. And then, you know, Shaka sings jazz. Mm -hmm. Shaka can sing anything. Right. You know, but you know, Shaka changed the game for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, she's just unreal. Well, you've turned me on to a lot of singers that mm -hmm. I don't think I would—at least I didn't know at the time—that I really fell in love with. Um, Arthur Prizak. Arthur Prizak. You know, I love male singers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, my dream in life was to sing back up for Luther Vandross. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> that was. Seriously, <laughs> my dream in life was to sing back up for Luther. I'm serious about mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. I just I just wish that could have happened. The one thing in my life that did not happen. <laughs> a lot of things have happened, yeah. but that would have made my life so complete just to sing one song behind Luther Vandross. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hmm. You know, um, but Arthur Prysock, you know, well, because my mom listened to a lot of male singers. Yeah. Nat Cole. You know, another great singer who I did get the pleasure of meeting and who was phenomenal, Gloria Lynn. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was phenomenal. She was up in age. I heard her at DAR uh, Constitution Hall um, after Katrina. She was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I had the, throughout my life that I got to hear so many great singers live. Like I actually heard Sarah Vaughn live. Yeah. You know, Ella Fitzgerald live. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, let me just say this about Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> when I listened to Ella Fitzgerald, I could just say, okay, I don't need to sing. <laughs> I mean, she is just phenomenal. I, I don't I don't I still don't understand Ella Fitzgerald. I don't so I don't even attempt to do anything. I mean, you know, I just listen to Ella mm -hmm. because it's so pure and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, especially the stuff that she did with Duke Ellington. Mm -hmm. That stuff is so incredible. I just but I just say to myself, you know, I fit in somewhere. And let me not forget, while we're talking about great singers, the one and only Jimmy Scott. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. who, if anyone could ever sing slower than him and change your whole life, I don't know who could do that. You know, the way he would just stretch a song out and give you every bit of emotion in a note. I just, Jimmy Scott blew my mind Mm -hmm. (laughs) to hear him live. And actually, one more singer that I got to hear live, Mr. B, Billy Eckstein. I always said if I ever owned a dog, I was going to name him Billy Eckstein. (laughs) Did you ever? I don't have a dog. <laughs> maybe in, there's still time. Maybe in my lifetime, you know, I'll get a dog, and his name—it has to be a male, and it must be his name will be Billy Eckstein. <laughs> well, you know, going back to Ella, I saw an interview one time that just blew my mind. She was talking to Andre Previn, mm. and Previn was at the piano. It was kind of kind of like this in a way, and um, and just in the conversation, she says. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not a musician. I mean, you're a musician. And, and Andre said, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, you can't get away with that. <laughs> that scat singing is just unreal to me. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was not a scat singer. That I knew. So I said, well, you no know, use to me trying to imitate Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. So I actually, when I really started singing, I really wanted to sound like Dinah Washington, hmm. believe it or not. What I, I, you know, the blues in her and the diction, mm-hmm. the way she pronounces every word, and the way she sang with such control. Um, I love. I mean, I, I could just go on and on about all of the great singers that I really listened to, um, and I did not mention Billie Holiday yet, but. You know, Billie Holiday's voice is a voice that I still don't understand. And when I listen to her, um, something deep inside of me stirs up. Mm-hmm. She stirs me. Yeah. And um, her phrasing is just unreal to me. Um, Don't you think there's some singers that almost, they transcend the sound of the voice, and it's just more the way they tell the story or the the way they communicate? Yes. But the singers of old all had definite voices. Like, you know, you don't, you know, you hear Billie Holiday, you just, you know, that's Billie. You know, and there are people who try to imitate her, but there is no imitation. Ella, you just know that's Ella Fitzgerald. Right. Another great singer, too, that I loved was Nat Cole's daughter, Natalie Cole. Mm-hmm. Natalie was phenomenal. Yeah. Just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The things that she could do. In a lot of ways, like Nancy. Like yes. Very versatile. Yes, so versatile. I mean, you know, when she started singing jazz, I mean, it was like it was just a natural progression Mm -hmm. for her to do that because she knew it. She lived with that music. So it was so easy for her, Mm -hmm. you know, and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, we're running out of time, but 
one singer we haven't mentioned is um, that I know was a huge influence on you and consequently became an influence on me is Abby Lincoln. Oh my goodness. Abby. They're just, there are no words for how Abby impacted my life. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Abby was the game changer for me. Like, I had never really known Abby until, I mean, in her music. Like, I had just never heard her until she started recording again in her later years for Verve Records. Mm-hmm. And um, I can remember calling my mom and saying, you've got to hear this song. A Turtle's Dream, you've got to hear this song. You've got to hear this record. This is unreal right. to me. And I didn't know what to do after I heard Abby Lincoln. Right. Right. I was like, but, but what, I, what I realized is that um, Abby helped me to find myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because I couldn't quite figure out, you know, you know, what am I going to sing? Some songs, people say I should sing this song. Folks say I should know this song. There are a lot of jazz songs that I actually just don't like. I won't name any of them. But there are some songs that I just don't like. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, when you're trying to grow up in, as a singer, a quote-unquote jazz singer, you know, well, you should be singing this or you should be singing that because Alice sang this and Sarah sang that and this one sang. And so this is all. And I would go, but I don't like that song. Mm. It doesn't feel like me. Right. Once I heard Abby Lincoln, who exclusively sang mostly (laughs) her own music, then I understood why a lot of stuff just didn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. But Abby, you know, her music just felt, and you know, she told me, she said, Stephanie, the greatest compliment you could ever give me is to sing my music. Hmm. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. Now, before we do that, (laughs) because we might close out on this, is... Now, the reason you're here in Baton Rouge is tonight you're going to sing for the Alvin Baptiste Jazz Society of Greater Baton Rouge. And this is the first, um, this is the inaugural event. This is the first time we're doing it. And real quickly, who was Alvin Baptiste to you? How are you connected to Alvin Baptiste? So he's my uncle. Um, My dad... uh, and my uncle met in college. They were frat brothers. Mm-hmm. And my uncle Bat introduced his sister-in-law, my mom, to my dad. Mm. And the rest is history. So, you know, he's an uncle, one of the greatest musicians that this planet ever experienced. And he was a great supporter of me. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my first gigs, you know, he invited me on his bandstand. When that happened, then I said, okay, maybe I can sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I really, you know, f- that was such a 
booster, you know, like I felt like I was doing something, like I could belong, you know, on the stage with jazz musicians because yeah. mm -hmm. I got to play with my uncle, Alvin Baptiste, who is no lightweight, right? you know? Yeah, and an affirmation. It was a total affirmation, and it helped me tremendously, you know, um, it helped me to, you know, to begin to really sort of figure myself out mm -hmm. as a singer. And then also as a person. Because, you know, he was really involved with human development. Sure. You yeah. know, really understanding who you are and where your place is. Mm -hmm. And not being involved with what other people have or do or think. You know, be more in involved right. with what it is that you're to do on this earth and yeah. you know it helped me a lot well he had a tremendous impact on so many musicians including myself matter of fact when i think about it the first time i met you was at his house right <laughs> me as a student just i'd be over there all the time studying with him and i forget why you all were right. there but you know it's like oh hey this is my niece stephanie i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> y'all should get together yeah come to find out we did <laughs> You know, he was so easy like that. Oh, and he was a funny, funny, oh, funny guy. Oh, gosh. I miss, I miss him so much, but um, he's always with me because, you know, my life is a tree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is an Abbey Lincoln tune, and well, you, you tell us about this tune before you sing it. So Throw It Away is inside of me. I sing it on every show that I do. Um, because I love Abby, because I love uh, this great experience called jazz. It's a great song. And because I hope every person, male and female, will be empowered mm -hmm. by the words in this song. Yeah. This is a female empowerment song for the world, for everybody. <laughs> Timeless. life I live a figure made of clay think about the things I've lost things I gave away when I'm in a certain mood I search the halls and look one night I found these magic words in a magic book throw it away Throw it away, give your love, live your life, each and every day. Keep your hands wide open, let the sun shine through. You can never lose a thing, 
if it belongs to you. There's a hand to rock the cradle, hand to help us stand with a gentle kind of motion as it moves across the land. But a hand unclenched and open, gifts of life and love it brings. Keep your hands wide open if you need anything. Live your love, live your life each and every day. Just keep your hands wide open, let the sun shine through. You can never lose a thing if it belongs to you. Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge would like to acknowledge our generous sponsors, the Shell Corporation, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Louisiana Office of Cultural Development, and the City of Baton Rouge. 